Welcome to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm your host, the Professor, and these other two idiots who are extremely annoying. Are here <laughs> How are you going, DJ? Oh, I'm going good. I'm going good. Just having the, just having some fun. Just having some fun. I'm so jealous. You always ask him how he's going first. <laughs> you guys are both awful. <laughs> Well, I am not. My, I am not. My mum told me I was very, very good. Yeah, well, my <laughs> mum told me I'm special, which is better than good. Yeah, but that was just because it was on the side of the bus when you went to school. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Hey, I wanted to go there. I, I got out of kindergarten before I was five, so it was all good. I couldn't stay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on with the on with the topics. Bucky has the uh, first topic this week. I do. Are people from a very special school. <laughs> Please don't beat me up, MIT students. Um, actually, I'd be more concerned about the the robots taking revenge on you, considering the oh. fact that these guys are building the robots and you're just picking on their robots now. They're cool robots, though. Sorry, what was that? They're cool robots, though. They are extremely cool robots. This is actually an article. Um, that's about uh, an amazing development where East Eastern Origami, I'm not sure if it's Japanese or Chinese, um, has been utilised in the design for manufacturing a gripping mechanism on a robotic hand that is subtle and soft enough in its grip that it can pick up mangoes and soft fruits and so forth but strong enough to be able to pick up 12 kilos. Yeah. So it's able to pick up 120 times its own weight. It's able to hoist an an electric drill and open a bottle of wine. And it's got a great, um, great mechanism, doesn't it? It does. It's the actual mechanism is it's a, um, origami construct skeletal skeleton with a silicon late or latex rubber skin over the top and a vacuum sucks the air out of the gripper which causes the skin to constrict which then also forces the origami skeleton to collapse into a narrowing funnel check out the pictures it looks like something out of some 50s sci-fi when i first saw it i actually thought it was like a lampshade or something gone wrong (laughs) like you know you get those old like the the grandma crocheted um lampshades they look like one of those. Yeah, I can see that. Only this lampshade could kill you. <laughs> it's like it'll just sucker onto you, onto your face. Mm-hmm. Hey, kind of like. Oh, oh you sorry, first you, I was oh, just going to say, I'd be more concerned about picking up a drill. Yeah. Perform a brain, perform a brain surgery on you. <laughs> kind of looks like the um, one of those alien face huggers. Well, it could face hug you, but it doesn't really look like a face hugger. Yeah, it's only got one arm. Hmm. Yeah. It's more like a, a plunger shape. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm thinking um, this mounted on top of Spot from Boston Dynamics, um, and you got a way of going shopping without even having to get up and move around yourself. You could like, you, you get those um, the people like um, Stephen Hawking who can move around in a wheelchair. But they've got extremely limited movement option. 
Hey, hook it up to a joystick. You could have, yeah, you could have something like this on spot from Boston Dynamics, and it could pick up. Like they've got it here picking up an apple, and I'm not sure if that's a football or a mango down below, but it picks up, can pick up all these different bits and pieces up to 12 kilos, so they could go do their shopping, give them a bit of extra freedom. I love that uh, it can grab things by the handle too. There's a video in the article, and it shows it grabbing things like a padlock by the loop. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder, like, it's vacuum-powered, so I wonder how it, uh, how well it does with porous material. Well, it's actually not the, the material itself isn't being sucked. It's the um, air inside the silicon glove sort of thing. Oh, right. The air inside that gets sucked out, which causes the frame to constrict, and the silicon rubber has a rough texture, and that grabs and grips like skin. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking uh, they suck the air out of the middle as well, but no. oh, you're right, it is just um, gripping by friction. I can actually see this applied in um, areas such as disaster management, when you're picking up rubble, uh, heavy rubble, for example, in earthquake situations, to nuclear pa- reactors, when you're picking up um, your plutonium rods, to maybe space travel. Um, plutonium rods would make the silicon disintegrate and deteriorate um just the radioactive aspect of it doesn't go well with latex kind of the Um, same as skin yeah i think the the best use for it isn't for things like you can easily design one specialized robot to do like moving plutonium rods or whatever but i think the strength of this design is that it's non-specific so like like you said you could take it shopping with you Mm -hmm. Or you could uh, put it to work in a field or somewhere that doesn't, where things are different shapes and sizes. I've got that. I've seen a video of someone using robotics for um, gardening, where they have the robot goes through and it scans over and it gives the, and it's got sensors that goes into the soil and it tests the um, water levels in the soil and so forth. So it optimizes watering weeds and everything like that you could actually have this attached in the same system to go through and do the harvesting of the fruit yeah that's what i was thinking like so it's a great shape to grab watermelons um yeah i i'm i'm just looking at like the versatility of it it's all the different fruits and veggies i reckon this would be able to pick up a good size cabbage and your bok choy pak choy your carrots i see um i see the dj's just put a link in the chat or a farm bot. What's that about, DJ? So farm bots are, um, was an original Kickstarter program where you could actually uh, do the fa- do farming with this robot and you just key in all the details on what you want to grow and this robot can help plant the, um, f- or do fruits and veggies and maintain the, um, maintain the um, how much water it needs. And yeah, it, it's, pretty, it's fully automated, mm-hmm. as the heading says. But, yeah, from what I've seen so far, it's pretty inventive. Oh, yeah. yeah that's kind of like what I was saying. Uh, I can't remember where the video was that I saw, but it was someone had done it so it's actually approaching a commercial-grade setup, and you could actually operate using hydroponics. So robot-controlled hydroponics that literally don't need a person involved from go to woe would just work out perfectly, like... Um, when you think about with the colonization of Mars, um, this sort of thing would actually work really well. Yeah, Mark Watney could have used one as his uh, potato harvester. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm struggling to 
not find any um, shortcomings in this. You can even use it for um, operating in the kitchen. You can pick up mugs and so forth. So I can actually see this as being, as I was saying before, like with the shopping for people with limited mobility, this could actually help them for picking things up in the kitchen and so they can make their own cup of coffee and cup of tea. I can see one downside, actually. Since it relies on the sort of balloon formation of the uh, the latex mm-hmm. and the vacuum, it could be pierced by a sharp object. Yeah, but you can get special coatings that are cut resistant. So when you actually look in um, a lot of the factories and metal workshops, when you actually look at the gloves that the guys are wearing, they're the cut resistant gloves. It's actually a silicon overlay that's sprayed onto the gloves or it's dipped into this solution. Um, so, yeah, it allows full flexibility and dexterity and sensitivity of touch. So you could actually coat over the inside of this or, or the outside as well so it's cut resistant and puncture resistant to make it so it's a bit tougher. There are solutions to all these problems. Yeah. I wonder how long it'll be before I can uh, build my own or buy my own and turn it into a device to bring me, like, my phone, my switch, <laughs> so I bring me my lunch so I don't have to get out of bed. Um, well, they're saying to here, like, it's successfully gliming onto a smartphone, so it can already bring you your phone. It doesn't matter whether or not it's when it's released to the public. But I'm just thinking, as I said before, like, attaching this to Spot, and you don't even have to get out of bed to go to the kitchen to get your food. Spot will do it for you. And the idea of uh, Spot chasing you with that makes that Black Mirror episode even scarier. It does. Actually, having two of them. Because then they can grab both of your hands and lock them up. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, scaring me a bit more than um, than I'd like it to. Hey, I think I've just found a police robot. It works better than <laughs> um, Robocop. we just got to get Spot to be running faster. And then we just have to get the Decepticon symbol stenciled on there somewhere. And the Transformers theme song playing in the background when it's chasing you. <laughs> I can actually see this in, in a bomb disposal, like upgrading the bomb disposal robot, yeah? Now that you mention it. Yeah, I, it's, got, it's got a subtle, gentle touch. But, um, so yeah, it could be utilised in that way too. Yep. Anyway, I think we've terrified everyone enough. So uh, <laughs> on to the next topic. Uh, it's about Pokemon living in your brain. But first, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned the Video Game Hall of Fame nominees. And uh, they've announced the inductees for this year. They are Colossal Cave Adventure, Microsoft Solitaire, First Mortal Kombat, and Super Mario Kart, the original. So they they didn't induct um, Red Alert, the mobile platform version? No, not yet. Oh, sorry, they only induct four games a year, though. <laughs> so they well, they did a few more in the first couple of years, but give it time, and I'm sure they'll run out of games to induct and have to turn to that rubbish. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a bit of trivia about Microsoft Solitaire. It was designed as a well, it was used as a um, mouse tutorial for mm-hmm. when Windows 3.0 first came out. The first Windows to use a um, well. Actually, I'm not sure it's the first Windows to use it, but it is a um, one of the first to use a mouse. And they introduced Solitaire as a training aid. Mm-hmm. 
It's uh, according to the blurb on the Hall of Fame website. It is a version of the Klondike variation of Solitaire programmed by intern Wes Cherry. I, uh, I hope he got paid well for being an intern and they've included it from 1990 up until 2013. And now it's only available as a downloadable title because they decided to put Jeweled in instead. Mm-hmm. Um, very first version of Windows was Windows 1.0, which was released on November 20, 1985. Okay. So and anyway, it was a 16-bit multitasking shell. Yes, yeah, so you couldn't even... I don't believe you could even have accounts until, uh, like, version 3. Hmm. I'm not sure I'm a bit young for that. But anyway, on to uh, my main topic for tonight. Researchers at Stanford have identified a particular brain region that is devoted to recognizing Pokemon. So people who grew up with Pokemon have developed a particular node in their brain that is great at recognizing Pokemon and not much else. Apparently, though, there's also a Jennifer Aniston neuron, which um, shows the same response to images of Jennifer Aniston, and other there's other celebrities have been identified as well. But um, I I wonder if it's related to how when you're a, a young child, you're great at recognizing differences between uh, pretty much anything, but then you train like. As I understand it, your brain specializes towards recognizing humans. So I wonder if um, I wonder if this is related to how that works, and if you're older, you wouldn't develop that area. Um, reality is that all memories generate nodes within neurons because that's how memories are stored. It's a hardwire aspect. Um, so when you build a memory, it chemical reactions on different neurons in different parts of the brain that generate the schema of the memory and they get activated um yeah i reckon i should probably stop there because otherwise we'll end up having a six hour lecture (laughs) just (laughs) to introduce the basics of the topic because yeah it was um uh, six months of lectures and a heck of a lot of reading as a second year unit for me and when I was doing my behavioral science undergrad. So yeah, like there's um, a lot of groundwork to cover, but yeah, it's yeah, memories, all, all memories actually form clusters of nodes in different regions. And the more you use it, the more activated it becomes and stronger and the more it lights up when it's activated. So, yeah. so uh, as you get older, you would start to, um, that area would start to be repurposed, wouldn't it? Um, after a period of time, if you haven't used it, you lose it. Okay. I wonder if um, my mum's gotten really into Pokemon with Pokemon Go. I wonder if she will ever develop that region. Do you have an fMRI I could borrow? Um, not in my back pocket, unfortunately, no. I think I left <laughs> yeah, it neither up. do I. I think I left it in the lab. I'll check eBay. <laughs> Do you reckon this is this is this is kind of entering into the realms of photographic memory? No, no, photographic memory doesn't really work the way uh, it's portrayed in movies. And it's actually not, it's eidetic memory, not photographic. Okay. Photographic just helps people understand what you you, you mean when you say it. if you say eidetic memory to an uneducated individual, they go, huh, what? 
Yeah, an identity uses fancy science words. An identity <laughs> memory. What's an identity memory? But if you say photographic, it's in the movies because it's been dumbed down for Hollywood. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this article. Um, to quote, they're saying, when they analysed the data, they found that, as hypothesised, there's a new region of the brain that formed in the subjects dedicated to recognising Pokemon characters in the same location across the Pokemon playing subjects. According to Gomez, the um, study's um, creator, this supports a theory called eccentricity bias. It holds that it holds that it's the way we look at visual stimuli especially whether we use central or peripheral vision and how much of our visual field a given object takes up and that determines the location for a dedicated brain region for that stimulus. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, as I said, like all, all memories form memory. Like, every memory you have, it's all stored in roughly the same location across people um, for particular types of memories. So... Memories of pain and suffering are in certain areas and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it all fits within the pattern. Yeah, I wonder if um, I like, they say that they're not sure why exactly, but I do wonder what causes it to take up relatively the same space in every person's brain. I think it's more of the thrill of the hunt kind of thing. Like, well, uh, it's in, in terms of like, I in terms of um. You, t- you you stop playing walk Pokemon. Away. You, you s- <laughs> walk away. Just quietly walk backwards. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is, it's like if you abandon the game and then and then you and then a few months later you go, okay, I'm gonna try again. I'm gonna try and um, get back into the into the game, and you might remember. You might. It will take a while, but you, you all, all of a sudden you regain back the memory. Yeah, I struggle to see what that's got to do with the thrill of the hunt. As in, um. The thrill of the hunt in terms of trying a different strategy kind of thing. Like, maybe looking at it from a different different um, perspective. Mm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. confused here. I'm not really following either. Uh, Listeners, there is a, uh, a five internet point reward for working out what he's saying. <laughs> if, if anyone can translate what he said and explain it, I, I, I think I kind of understand where he's going, but... Yeah, I'm too okay. What's to okay, okay? Okay, okay, okay. What I'm no, trying to say no, is no, no, well, no, well, no. Let's just. I think we should just move on now. Sit, sit. Bad robot. Like, <laughs> but uh, it's so so interesting that um, this is research into how the brain works and psychology and uh, coming from Stanford, who are notorious for their psychology experiments. Mm-hmm. These are the people who brought you the Stanford Prison Experiment. Um, Wasted, gave, they? Uh, one major, there's a couple of couple of variations of it that have been performed, um, and a lot of conjecture and rumour, which is all untrue, and then someone made a movie about it, and they think that that was another experiment, but yeah. Um, but they also gave us the Mozart effect because someone wrote a paper which showed minimal interactive response and results. Um, yeah, for those who don't understand what the Mozart effect is, listening to, apparently listening to Mozart is supposed to make you smart, although the original experiment was using the Stanford Binet spatial reasoning IQ test uh, only, and it was 
a nominal variance, but um, any music that is upbeat and all has a certain amount of changing pattern in it can activate the brain to the so, same level. So I've just put up the Wikipedia page on the Mozart effect, and uh, there's mentions a theory that listening to Mozart's, especially the piano concertos, may temporarily increase one's IQ. I'm yeah, going to go play all of them at once. It's a, it's a load of hogwash, and the original experiment and all the subsequent investigations into it under scientific conditions have failed to show any true results. Okay. It's also interesting, the, um, the study was done in two, 1993, but mm. I don't remember it um, like until just a couple of years ago, maybe 2010, uh, it seemed to get a resurgence because there were a lot of kids shows on that used classical music and were called stuff like Little Einsteins. Yeah, there's um, actually a whole, um, just trying to say, say it politely here, um, dodgy section of... Um, the American media market that sells CDs claiming that playing them to your baby or your unborn baby will see a permanent increase in yeah. the IQ levels. Um, I hate to break it to them, but it's a load of gump. Have you ever seen those ridiculous um, headphones that are designed to go on your pregnant belly? Oh, and yes, yes. Then it turned out that they were sending the baby's death. Yep. Um, Babies here well enough without having to blast them with stuff. They, they, they're quite comfortable in there. Nature has a fantastic little crib in the mother's belly. And, yeah, no need to mess with it. Yep. Unless, you, unless you only get the mother to swallow a tennis ball or something to give the kid something to do in there. After all, it's stuck in there for <laughs> nine months. It's got to get bored. Yes, but uh, speaking of babies who may have may, may or may not have been dropped, DJ, what is your topic? <laughs> How is that a segue? I will never ever know. Because we're going from the topic about the babies who are brain damaged and deaf and stuff onto the topic from you who is brain damaged. Seems are you really going to equate that <laughs> Fight me. from Mr. Tongue Tied? <laughs> Fight me. Okay, you, Mr. You, think Mr. We, you think we could make a, 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 a gaffe about that? Mr. Tongue-Tied? Oh, no. no, I am not going to stutter every time I introduce the show. Just once. <laughs> and that's what the gaff will be. And that's what you the gaff will be. Awful. I am not going to stutter rap. <laughs> I will take my ball and go home. <laughs> Oh, gee, God, that was a good laugh. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Sonic movie trailer came out, and... Was it a couple of weeks? It was only, like, barely a week ago, I thought. Um, May 3rd, so a bit over a week, looks like. Yeah, so the trailer... Oh. Um, it was about a week ago that he said, Ah, oh, yep, you have criticised me, and I have heard. So, th yeah, three weeks ago, so a couple of days ago, um... Sonic trailer came out, world widely panned by by the internet, and people have came out saying we could change the design, we we could help 
change design of Sonic. And the directive said, okay, thank you for your criticism. We will change the design of Sonic. From that terrifying guy in a fursuit image. <laughs> mm-hmm. to hopefully something more like the fan version. Yes. But all I can say is, how did they get... It's either got to be Will Smith or The Rock <laughs> or one of those other um, useless ways of gravity that are just doing all the remakes that's in the suit. How have they gotten them into that suit? <laughs> What's actually, I think this is a child who has murdered real animals, dyed them blue, and sewn together a fursuit. I was just going to say, what's that um, uh, comedian? Um, uh, crikey. I'll look it up and get back to you on that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting how the internet reacted and um, the director saying they will tinker with the design make it believable in the real world. And, yeah, Sega... And how Sega was not entirely on board with these chain with those changes they did with the initial Sonic. Kevin Hart, that's who I was thinking of. <laughs> Kevin Hart in a Sonic suit. <laughs> he's 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 small. He's weird. He's annoying. It 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 fits. That's who's in the Sonic suit. <laughs> Kevin Hart. What I were you in that? Don't understand re- how someone signed off on this design though. Um, they had some really, really old guy who's blind and deaf and never actually looked at Sonic, doesn't understand it. He goes, oh, yeah, that'll work. The kids these days, they can just use their imagination. I think um, it's, it's the response from the director of Detective Pikachu is hilarious. He's like, well, obviously, the uh, the difference is that we decided to film on film instead of digital. As if that's the only reason people don't like Sonic. <laughs> yeah, I think there's actually a lack of oxygen going somewhere there. He needs, needs to remove his head from whatever um, position he's got it stuck. Um, what do you guys thought of the uh, edits, though? The changes to Sonic that the fans I created? I see a fan, uh, a fan edit that looks worse. <clears throat> Honestly, I, I've seen one fan edit and, yeah, on a, it was better, but I really didn't care. It's it, it, we're being swamped with all these movies that are just bring, trying to bring games to life and make them into, and just cash in on that, and it's just getting oh. annoying. Detective Pikachu actually looks good, though. Uh, like I'll give Detective Pikachu credit. Like it's like Pokemon is still a current thing. It's like there's been other there's been other Pikachu movies. This is just the next stage in that evolution. We've had Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons, possibly an animated movie or something there, but how long has it been since they did a brand new Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon? Only a couple of years. Uh, There was one that came out with Sonic Boom. Okay. It should be like 2016, I think. I stand corrected. Um, But, yeah, like, it's just... If they're going to do it, like you got to do it properly. But and then there's just so many other movies that are coming out where it's just overloading. It's like between the games movies and the Marvel movies, everyone's just going, "Can you give me something that's not painful to watch?" Yeah. What did you guys thought about the trailer when you first saw it initially? Um, I still haven't actually seen it in full. It kind of flashed up on my um, Facebook feed. I just scrolled past. 
Well, you know how we were saying there's an area of your brain dedicated to Pokemon? I think there's an area of my brain that has been permanently burnt out by seeing that trailer. <laughs> Although it's good to see how the internet rallied behind behind and, f- and made the director change his mind. Well, I don't think it was the internet. It was just there was a small group of people going, we got to have it changed to suit us. we got to have it changed to suit us. we got to have it changed to suit us. Kind of like you, you, you remember your partition about Star Wars where they wanted one of the movies taken out so they had a petition and apparently it was some you, you thought it was some amazingly brilliant thing you said but, it was amazingly brilliant the movie i said it was just no no uh, no, no excuse me you were talking i was saying about your petition that you were, were saying about i didn't even i uh let's not go there let's not go there which was what was wait, it 90 wait, 90 wait. 000 people uh, uh, oh, oh, hold up hold up wow that's less people than signed the petition to bring back santa clarita diet <laughs> yeah um i i kind of laughed when you showed me that one i i reckon it's probably a similar sort of thing here it's just they they just listen to it to sh- shut up the group of whingers well hey you gotta respect the audience that's the one underlying thing in the end i don't mind that i'm just tired of a small percentage making a, a racket and trying to dictate that they're the fans who know it best and just being a pain in the neck for everyone else like, yeah, like I, could, I can, I agree. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I that the character looked wrong, but honestly, it's neither here nor there for me. I'm probably not going to watch the movie. Yeah, I'll probably go to see Detective Pikachu with my family, but I don't think I'll go and see Sonic. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait till the DVD comes out. I might check out Detective Pikachu, but yeah, I'll, I'll wait till the DVD comes out. But it's interesting as well um, how video game movies are coming up, coming back up. Like we, like you said, today's Detective Pikachu. Then there's Sonic. I heard, a, I heard a rumor that we might get another Myra movie. Well, there's a thing I saw. I'm not sure if I posted on our Facebook page where there was some. There's a whole list of movies that are being planned to come out, similar to the. Um, Marvel collection where they got, um, I think there was a whole lot of the different like Nintendo games being turned into movies, including Smash Brothers and so forth. A Smash Brothers movie, though, that yeah, what we need is intro movies for each of the 70 characters in Smash Brothers, <laughs> an Avengers style movie. Is it, is it only 70? Brothers. Is it only 70 characters? <laughs> It seems like so many more. <laughs> you weren't there, DJ. You don't know what we went through. <laughs> no, but I can I can imagine you guys squirming in pain, going, Why am I watching this? No, I wasn't squirming in pain, I kinda of fell asleep. Um yeah, they've got Detective Pikachu, Sonic the Hedgehog, um Zelda, then Super Mario's, Sonic another Sonic movie, Metroid, Kirby. Mario Party and Super Smash Brothers. Wait, a Mario Party has a movie? 
What are they going to do? Like, what are they going to do? A VR section in the movie going, okay, uh, guys, play play beach volleyball. No, is... it's going to be uh, rated R for someone. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. Mario Party always ends in violence. There's the image. I posted it back on um, the 5th of May. <laughs> That's just a myth. <laughs> no, but they've got, like, because they've got dates and everything, like, I don't know, is this actually... Uh, yeah, this is a meme, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is playing uh, I'm I'm hoping it is. I'm, I'm hoping that's all it is. And But these idiots out there that might go, hey, this is a good oh. idea, let's do this. Let's make these movies. <laughs> like, seriously, if that happens, I'm going to find who made this meme and I'm going to strangle them slowly. <laughs> And before, uh, before Bucky gets himself in any, any more legal trouble, what have you been playing this week, Bucky? Um, Assassin's Creed. So I've been training for that. <laughs> BJ, stop laughing for five seconds. I know, but it's just so funny, the irony. <laughs> the irony is hilarious. Yeah, but he got pissed off at you for, um, for playing the same game each week. No, he's actually the irony of me. Um, you, you're saying I, I gotta, we gotta move along be, away from me getting into more legal trouble for saying I wanted to strangle someone. My game of the week is Assassin's Creed. Oh, he's training for it, <laughs> but I won't use the the hidden blade on these people. Well, the thing about being an assassin is that you don't get caught. Well, I'm not intending to. What about you, DJ? I've just been playing Apex Legends, trying uh, relaxing from playing Mortal Kombat 11, and yeah, it's not there's not much um activity going around in, with Apex Legends. I mean, there's the odd patch or two updated, but yeah, Have it's, they it's added uh, new content since uh, what's his name Octane. Uh no, they haven't added any new content. No, the th- the problem so- is though, um, it's it's waning in relevancy because really, yeah, well. Say it isn't well, so. Ever since re- don't, say, recent- don't say hmm? people are getting tired of battle royale format already. Well, that, but that's because um, there, there was a recent article I was reading where the reason why Apex Legends is waning in popularity is because um, their employers are not are not good, do, are treating their um, staff with care and stuff like, and um, they're not doing crunch crunch time tactics basically. So it's waning because the the bosses aren't being mean and nasty and horrible. Yeah, like, unlike Epic Games, which they're hang doing on. Fortnite. But well, hang on, hang on. Is Apex available to the cheaters? I mean, the um, <laughs> gamers with the superior computer systems in China. <laughs> you know, that's what uh, this pushed out for the topic. This um, that's what my topic pushed out. Yeah. <laughs> shut up, shut up. <laughs> I was going to have a topic about how the number of Chinese gamers, PC gamers is now bigger than the number of people in the US. So there's just so many more Chinese hackers to ban. They're not hackers and cheats. They've got superior computer systems. <laughs> we had someone from Dell China telling us in an article about that, remember? Oh, you weren't yeah, here that week. I remember. Oh, I was here. You were here? Yeah. Okay. But so they're not they're not cheaters. They're just naturally gifted, apparently. And that's the story they're telling us, and they're sticking to it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I've been playing uh, Minecraft, and uh, the the big 10-year anniversary is next week, I believe. I'm not actually sure what they're planning for it, but um, I'm enjoying the, the content that's in there at the, from the latest update still. The, uh, the traveling merchants have made it really easy to get exotic items. Right, it's about a week's walk to get to the nearest uh, tropical ocean for, um, from my base. And I was able to buy some tropical fish for my fish tank from a, a trader. So you can actually have a fish tank with fish now? Yeah. Yeah, that was a couple of updates ago. Uh, so jealous. Underwater update. I don't remember exactly which one it was, though. I might have to um, go and play Minecraft again. Yeah. Because um, I knew you could have um, different birds now. Oh, yeah. They've got parrots. Uh, I think they're the only real birds. So, so bats and the phantoms are the other flying monster mm -hmm. in the overworld who turn up when you don't sleep and attack you. Yeah, because I um, last time I did play it, I, I built an aviary for my niece. Because I have a, I have a house that's kind of like the, um, you remember the thunder, the old Thunderbirds show where they had oh, the yeah. house on the island. I got something like that that I've built on the side of a cliff. And so I, I built a giant aviary out on my um, floating balcony. Cool. Which was terrifying to build. And um, yeah, I've, I've got that there with some trees inside and um, some wheat field, wheat, wheat growing so I can create food for them and so forth. Yeah. But, and, um, yeah. But apparently you can grow apples on, on the trees as well now. You can actually grow apples, apple trees. I uh, didn't know there were apple trees. I mean, I'm used to just getting them when you cut down trees. Hmm. I I'd have to check that out. It was, I just remember my nephew saying something about you can grow different fruits or something now, so that'd be good. Yeah, there's um, a lot of food now. My friend and I build a giant greenhouse. Okay, I'm getting nervous. The DJ's gone very quiet. He has. He better not be hacking my server and blowing up my house. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay. Right. So, so let's just... rush through the shout-outs so that I can get onto the server and make sure he's not messing up my base. <laughs> uh, as of the 5th of May 2017, the movie Bahubali 2, The Conclusion, became the highest-grossing Indian box office film ever. It earned $120 million. That was an awesome movie. Is it Bollywood? Yes. Um, you've actually got to watch Bahubali and Bahubali 2. Um, okay. It takes absurdity to a whole new level. You've probably seen something like this where they use um, palm trees as catapults and they yeah. shoot guys through the air and they've all got their shields and they form a circle with their shields to land and roll. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that uh, GIF somewhere. Yeah, so, yeah, it's that's that's the movie. I might have to check that out. Is it um, also the one where the... Um, the guys are using magic and, like, throwing sticks that turn into snakes and stuff. Um, I don't remember that part, but it's, yeah, they're two pretty epic movies. Okay. I might, uh, put them on my list. So does it come in the generic Bollywood movie style where you get the, uh, dancing in the rain, that kind of thing, or it doesn't have that moment? Um, I don't know about dancing in the rain. There was some dancing in a waterfall. Oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. It's always there's all every, every love song in the Bollywood movie. It's always including something with water. I don't know what it is. Is water is life? It's so cheesy. 
So cheesy. But, um, uh, for all those um, listeners who enjoy Bollywood and uh, perhaps Indian or something like that and are now wanting to attack, remember it's the DJ once again who's saying <laughs> the crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, so DJ has no uh, appreciation of the art form that is Bollywood. Well, I'm just Please saying Bollywood's so predictable. DJ. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying Bollywood movies are so predictable nowadays. What is it now? Well, every Bollywood movie, it's either the guy falls in love with a girl, the girl's dad doesn't like the guy, the guy has to prove himself that he's such a he's a good guy and make the oh, dad... Oh, that's any different from a Western romantic movie? <laughs> yeah, just kick him out. Has he stopped talking? I doubt it. Yes, he has. Wow. Let's just enjoy this moment of silence. <laughs> Um, our next shout out is to Sarah Ann Henley, who on the 8th of May 1885, at 22 years old, threw herself off uh, Clifton Suspension Bridge, designed by our favourite Victorian engineer, Isambard Kingdom Brunel, and fell 101 metres, got caught in a breeze which uh, inflated her clothes and carried her into the mud. And uh, she was immediately pulled out by some people who had seen her jump. Apparently, the cause of her f- her jumping off the bridge was because she w- she had an argument with a with a with her then boyfriend. Yeah. So, in other words, young girls are still doing stupid things because they have relationships with young men. Yeah. 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 Thank God she survived, though. No, no, no. Thank the wide crinoline skirt, which was popular at the time. <laughs> And, and, and we we also have to thank the penguins. Well, the penguins probably designed the skirt, but yes. <laughs> stop, steal, stop stealing my line. you got to get your own. <laughs> but uh, next is uh, the 6th of May, 1994. The Channel was open. The Channel is the famous tunnel between England and France. It was constructed nearly 200 years after it was first proposed. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 31.4 miles long and is considered one of the seven wonders of the modern world by the American Society of Civil Engineers. And it's the method of getting rats and rodents and other vermin, both human and non-human, from Europe to England. Yeah, apparently it's so deep too that uh, if you open champagne at the bottom, it's flat. Yes, and uh, the one of the drilling machines was sold on eBay for forty thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see where you're going to stick that thing. Yeah, it's not. I, mean, a, I don't have room in my backyard. I, I think you'd struggle to have room for it if you took over Lane Park. Those things, those things are huge and heavy, real, real heavy. Yes, they say it was uh, twelve thousand tons. Yes, it's well. Here we go. It's um. As long as two football pitches. So, yeah, I just I know that the ones that they used for the um, tunnel here in Brisbane weren't as big as the one they used for the channel. Um, yeah. So, and I, they were big enough. And it's crazy that it's so hard to get one out from underground, that it's easier so that when you uh, finish the tunnel, you just dig off a side passage and bury it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not worth the money to pull it out and ship it off somewhere else. Yep. And you need a team of people. I can't remember the number. Like, it's you got to have a, a team like of hundreds of people to operate and service and maintain each machine. Yeah. 
what I um, really like about it though is the newer ones can drill the tunnel and place down the um, the concrete panels to seal the tunnel as they go. Yeah, it can seal the surfaces. Amazing, um, amazing engineering. Yeah, um, the actual filling out the tunnel for building the upper surface and lower surface because when you actually look at like the tunnel and also um, the tunnel here in Brisbane, we've got north and south travel passages, but they're actually tunnels inside another tunnel because the, the actual main tunnel is this, this big circle. And so above the roadway, you have the, the roof and above that is actually enough room. You could actually have another roadway up above. Oh, cool. And another so, one, uh, another one below. Like, were they planning one day to come back and... Uh, no, it's an just, extra... it's all the service uh, materials. So when you look at all the electrical cabling and so forth, so all your lights and everything, a lot of the cables are actually hidden away up there, all the fire suppression and also the emergency exits. It all goes up through that. Um, there's probably still cars stuck in there that were modified for operating within the construction phase of the tunnels that are no longer able to be used anywhere else where they've chopped off massive sections of things to make it an articulated utes because they needed them to turn around in extremely tight spaces. So, yeah, there's all sorts of crazy things that were done. Um, and there's probably still vehicles stuck somewhere in amongst the, all the stuff just because it's easier to keep it there and keep them operating. Yeah. So we have uh, a few sad remembrances this week. The first one is uh, Peter Mayhew, the actor who played Chewbacca in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, he played Chewbacca in all of his live-action appearances. He wasn't in The Last Jedi, but was apparently listed as Chewbacca consultant in the credits. He uh, was suffering health issues, so he retired and was replaced by Junus Suatamo. He died in of a heart attack at age 74 on the 30th of April this year. And a few days later, on the 2nd of May this year, Chris, Chris Riccardi, the American cartoon director behind... Samurai Jack, The Ren and Stimpy Show, The Powerpuff Girls, Tiny Toon Adventures, uh, directed for Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go, and SpongeBob SquarePants, and the supervising producer for Regular Show, and creative director for Secret Mountain Fort Awesome. Um, and also in 2007, he co-created and developed the pilot for Nickelodeon called The Modifiers, alongside his wife, Lynn Naylor. He died of a heart attack in Ventura, California, at the age of 54. There seems to be a lot of people dying of heart attacks in America. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's more unfortunate for Chris because he was he was surfing at the time as well. Ouch. So, Actually, no, that'd be, that'd be, if you're going to go, that'd be the way to go. You're doing something you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good way to go. It's something you love. I just want to go quietly like my grandpa in his sleep. Not like the passengers screaming in his car. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, back to the somber mood, please. On the 6th of May, 1992, Marlene Dietrich, the German-American actress and singer who performed from the 1910s to the 1980s um, and continuously reinvented herself in 1920s Berlin, she acted on stage and in silent films as Lola in Lola Lola in the Blue Angel in 1930, which 
got her international fame and a contract with Paramount. She was in Morocco, Shanghai Express, and Desire from the 1930s, and became one of the highest paid actresses of the era. Then she was a high-profile entertainer in the US during World War II, and uh, made a few films after the war, including Witness for the Prosecution in 1957. She spent most of the 50s to the 70s touring the world as a marquee live show performer. And uh, she was known for humanitarian efforts during the war, housing German and French exiles, providing financial support, and even advocating their U.S. citizenship. She received honors from the U.S., France, Belgium, and Israel for increase, improving morale on the front lines and was named the ninth greatest female star of classic Hollywood cinema in 1999. She died of renal failure at 90 in Paris. And uh, on to famous birthdays. On the 5th of May, 1921, we have Arthur Leonard Chaolo, the American physicist and co-inventor of the laser with Charles Towns. His central insight was the use of two mirrors as the resident cavity to take maser action from microwaves to visible wavelength. That's cool. I never realized the uh, first lasers were based on masers. He shared the 1981 Nobel Prize in Physics with Nicolas Bloombergen and Kai Siegbahn for their work using lasers to determine atomic energy levels with great precision. He was born in Mount Vernon, New York on the... uh, 6th of May, 1856, Sigmund Freud. Was it? It's Freud, isn't it, Bucky? No, it's Freud. Okay, I've been lied to. Hey? I'm going to go and tell my parents they lied to me. (laughs) The uh, Austrian neurologist and founder of Psychoanalysts, which is the clinical method for treating psychopathology through dialogue between a patient and a psychoanalyst. So if you ever go to see a psych and they uh, get you to lie on the couch and ask you, how does that make you feel? Blame Sigmund. Well, it was a lot, there was a lot of people who were doing that. He just he made psychopathology more of an art form and developed a lot of theories and assumptions that led to further research, which has actually shown a lot of evidence to support his hypotheses. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I was understanding a lot of his work was uh, controversial. It it is, um, and a lot of there's been a lot of attacks on it because it was purely observational. It wasn't developed under scientific conditions. But we're talking about at the very birth of psychology. Like, so he wasn't the very first psychologist. There was other pe- there were other people involved, but he proposed theories such as. The edifice complex, um, the id ego, super ego, that sort of thing. So, oh, so um, uh, libido says here. Yeah, there's, and a lot of those things have like in further re- that other people have researched and actually shown there's actually a lot of support for the hypothesis. Maybe not exactly as he's proposed it, but yeah, it's there's there's a lot of it's there's still research going on today which has shown a lot of support for like his theories. Um, yeah. Have you guys ever seen that movie, A Dangerous Method? Yes. I actually had to watch it for um, one of my units in psychology. What's it about? It's about uh, Sig- um, Vigam- so it's about Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung um, training uh, Sabrina Sp- Spielring. Training or treating? Uh, I think it was treating, but then. Yeah. 
she was a patient. Ah. But they, um, yeah, that's the the accuracy of that is in question. But yeah, okay. Um, here's an interesting fact for you: the, there's actually a museum exhibition where his couch and everything, like his entire office, is being preserved, including the bed that he had in the corner for his dog. And his daughter actually followed him in the profession and was an outstanding psychologist in her own right, but was overshadowed. So when people see the name Freud, they just automatically assume it was Sigmund and not her. I never knew that. So our final birthday for this week. Oh, no, not our final birthday. Um, Our next birthday on the 6th of May, 1915. Orson Welles, the American actor and director, writer and producer who is probably most famous for the 1938 War of the Worlds radio broadcast, which um, has a bit of an urban legend about it, that it caused mass panic. Mm -hmm. um, He's also famous for the movie Citizen Kane, which is regarded as one of the greatest films ever made, and is about a man and his sled. (laughs) You just spoiled the movie. (laughs) No, I didn't. I never said the sled was Rosebud. (gasps) (laughs) It came out in 1941. It's way past the moratorium. (laughs) um, He's been praised as the ultimate auteur, and in 2002, he was voted the greatest film director of all time in two British Film Institute polls among directors and critics. Oh, he was also a, um, a lifelong magician who presented at variety shows in the war years for troops. Mm-hmm. He was born in Kenosha, Washington. No, Kenosha, Wisconsin. I am not wearing my glasses. <laughs> so tongue-tied and blonde. Shut up. <laughs> and spanked. <laughs> I was clapping to mark the start of the recording. <laughs> I think if anyone's going to be spanked now, we know who it's going to be. <laughs> Hey, don't laugh. We know you enjoy it. 1828, I will kick you both from the channel. (laughs) Henry Dunant, the Swiss businessman and social activist, was born in Geneva in Switzerland. He founded Red Cross and was the first recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize, which is awarded in Oslo. The 1864 Geneva Convention was based on his ideas, and he was um, awarded the Nobel Peace Prize with Frederick Passy, making him the first Swiss Nobel Laureate of any uh, discipline. During a business trip in 1859, he was witness to the aftermath of the Battle of Solferino in modern-day Italy. He wrote down his memories and experiences in the book A Memory of Solferino, which inspired the creation of the International Committee of the Red Cross in 1863. And on to events of interest. On the 6th of May 1937, the Hindenburg crashed during an attempt to dock with a mooring mask at the Lakehurst Naval Air Station in the United States. Of 97 people on board, there were 35 fatalities. One worker on the ground was also killed. The disaster was caught on newsreel coverage and in photographs, and is the source of the famous Oh the Humanity quote. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, if the um, if the Hindenburg hadn't crashed and burned, literally, there might have been a uh, more use of airships, which we could greatly do with, because airships are awesome. They are. <clears throat> On the 17th of May, 1946, the Tokyo Telecommunications Engineering, uh, with the company Tokyo Telecommunications Engineering, was founded with around 20 employees and was later renamed Sony. 
on an also on the 7th of May, but in 1952. The concept of the integrated circuit, the basis for all modern computers, was first published by Jeffrey Dummer, who was not Dummer, he was very smart. He should have been Jeffrey Smarter. <laughs> on the 8th of May, 1980, the World Health Organization confirmed the eradication of smallpox, thanks to vaccination. I assume there's no, no anti-vaxxers listening to us, but if there are, fight me. <laughs> actually, um, here's a little point to consider. There's actually evidence to show that a lot of the world's leading scientists are actually autistic or aspergic, which therefore means that instead of vaccine causing autism, autism causes vaccination. And the one problem I have with vaccines is that they cause adults, and adults are awful. <laughs> Actually, that goes back to the original cause of autism, which is sex. <laughs> that causes a lot of things. <laughs> but um, the original smallpox vaccine was invented by Edward Jenner, who would deliberately infect you with cowpox because... Cowpox happened to be close enough to smallpox that your body would develop immunity, but it wouldn't kill you. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like the last naturally occurring case of smallpox was contracted in October 1977 by a young man in Murkertown, Somalia. He survived and there were no new cases, but uh, there were a couple of cases in England in 1978 where uh, smallpox escaped from a research lab and infected two people, one, one of whom died. And the rumours are, of course, that uh, every country has a sample of smallpox, which they are genetically engineering into some absolutely nasty super weapon to unleash on the world when all is lost. Yep, and we know it's true and it works because, after all, look at Donald Trump. <laughs> That's, that's proof of genetic engineering gone wrong. Yeah, so anyway, that's uh, all of our topics for this week. DJ, hit them with the, uh, hit them with the email link. Uh, you can find us on nerds.amalgamated.gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Nerds Amalgamated. You can also find us on Twitter at nAmalgamated. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And also on the That's Not Canon website, where we have our archive of our previous episodes and merchandise. And you can check out the other podcasts in our uh, That's Not Canon family. Do you guys have any suggestions for this week? Um, the Shade Oliver experience is looking kind of interesting. If you're into punk music. I'll have to check that one out then. Punk music sounds very good. So if you, if you enjoy stuff like the Sex Pistols, yeah, this is a guy who lives the life and enjoys it. Okay, so anyway, that's uh, all from us for this week. So we will see you next week. Um, take care of each other and stay hydrated. See you guys. Hi, 
I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.